It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Locked On Washington football team, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, everybody, we welcome you to a final episode of the Locked On Washington football team podcast of the week. Sorry, a little bit late here as we record this Friday evening, uh, but back from the Inova Sports Performance Center and uh, trying, as futile as it is, to have a little bit of a life. Uh, in between on a short week as the Washington football team heading to Glendale, Arizona for Sunday afternoon's game against the San Francisco 49ers. All right, we are brought to you by our friends at Pepsi. That's right. You know this year is different. You know that the only way to fuel yourself on game day is with an ice-cold Pepsi. That's right. Or Diet Pepsi. Whatever you choose, whatever you want in that vein, Pepsi will make it happen for you. Why? Because Pepsi, A, is the best. B, Pepsi is made for football watching. That's right. So when you watch the Washington football team and the Arizona Cardinals this Sunday, not the Arizona Cardinals, the San Francisco 49ers, see, I knew I would do it. You go to madeforfootballwatching.com, you check out the latest football-watching content from our friends at Pepsi. All right. It is the San Francisco 49ers at the home of the Arizona Cardinals. That's the reality of the matter. All right, let's get you a final injury report in just a moment. But first, the Washington football team made an announcement on Friday that was expected, uh, but it does have some, some, ramifications potentially for a playoff game. Let's get you the statement. It said, after careful consideration and close coordination with Prince George's County health officials, the Washington football team made the difficult decision to play the remainder of our 2020 games without fans in attendance. We will miss the unbridled passion of our fan base at FedEx Field as we take on the Seattle Seahawks on December 20th and the Carolina Panthers on December 27th. But we must remain diligent in practicing our, in protecting our staff, players, fans, and the community as the region continues to fight against COVID-19. All right, so, you know, obviously a a well-written statement. Uh, I wish the guy that read it read it better, but we're all not perfect. Um, Here's the thing. We should not be surprised at all by this. Obviously, the last home game, because they've now, uh, or they're about to play road game number three in a row uh, at Dallas, at Pittsburgh, at San Francisco, but in Glendale. They have been home since before Thanksgiving. And in that particular game, there were no fans. Uh, There was a smattering of uh, friends and family, uh, but there were no fans. So Washington had one home game this year where they allowed just over 3,000 fans 
and that was the New York Giants home loss out of the bye. And then quickly the numbers went up from that. This is the smart, respectful, reasonable, uh, common sense filled decision that in years past, many times, Washington would not have made. And I, the only thing I can attribute it to is the nature of the pandemic, number one. And number two, you have real live professional human beings that care about people, uh, as opposed to Bruce Allen making all the decisions. And Dan Snyder's, of course, got to sign off on this, but Dan is trying to listen to his football and his business people that he has put in place over the last calendar year to remove the stench from the organization. And as long as that lasts, decisions are going to be made like this in the correct manner. What we don't know right now is whether this would include a playoff game, potentially. And you should say, well, what are you talking about? Well, if the Washington football team wins the NFC East, which right now they're in a technical record tie, but they, of course, don't have the tiebreaker over the New York Giants because of their head-to-head sweep. If the Washington football team were to win the NFC East, they get a home playoff game. And it would be like the weekend of January 10th because they finish up the season in Philadelphia on Sunday, January 3rd. Saturday, January 9th or Sunday, January 10th would be that home playoff game. Could be against Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It could be against Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings. It could be against... Kyler Murray in the Arizona. We we just don't know. Don't know. Don't know. But what we do know is this. If you win the division, you get that home playoff game. Now, we won't know that for a while. So they made a decision and a statement here that said the rest of our 2020 games... And they specifically listed Seattle next Sunday, the 20th, Carolina the Sunday after that, the 27th. They did not say anything about the rest of the season. They did not say anything about the playoffs, about a reevaluation, nothing. They said nothing for December 20th or December 27th. And technically, again, because a playoff game would be in January, And in 2021, it is possible that if things improve, they could have fans. So they're being smart about leaving some wiggle room for interpretation. The headline says remaining home games. That could be interpreted as a home game for the playoffs. It could be. But if, again, the wording is right in the statement... And maybe they didn't think about this. I don't know. I don't know how they wouldn't think about it, but maybe they didn't. Being that the wording was in the statement, it only says 2020 games. Doesn't say the rest of the season. Doesn't say including playoffs. Doesn't say anything like that. And I would think that if you were going to figure out a way to have some fans, 3,000, 5,000, 10,000, whatever it might be, 
that you would want them there for a playoff game, potentially, as opposed to a game against Carolina or even against Seattle. Now, the problem is you're not guaranteed that playoff game. So I can't speak for them, but maybe they said, well, look, we know we really shouldn't have fans, so we're going to say no, no for December 20th and December 27th. But if we get to the playoffs, that could be a different story. They've given themselves some wiggle room by not boxing themselves in. Now, if you remember, in early August, they issued a statement saying they would not have any fans for the entire season. And obviously, that turned out to be untrue. So I think this is a smart thing to not box yourself in. And by saying, for the rest of the season, for the rest of the 2021 season, may seem like a small little thing, but it's not. So I think this is actually a good thing uh, for the Washington football team. It's not a good thing for the fans. I get it. It sucks. Uh, you know, if they win a division, if they win a playoff spot, whatever, if they win a playoff game, you want to be there. You want to be there to celebrate. But the bottom line is they're doing what they have to do, right? Trust me, they would rather have fans there. They're losing a lot of money, a lot of money. Even though Dan Snyder makes plenty of money, they're moving. Uh, they're losing a lot of money by not being able to have fans, whether it be 40,000, 50,000, 60,000, whatever the number might be, whatever. All right, so that's the news of that day or that part of the day. Now, we also found out that Antonio Gibson is not going to be uh, available for Sunday's game in Arizona. Again, this should not be a surprise at all. This is totally expected. Short week, turf toe. Turf toe is a weird injury, and it could be a lot more than just this week. So don't set your heart on Antonio Gibson being fine next Sunday against Seattle. Now, do I feel better about those chances? Of course. But I never for one second thought Antonio Gibson was going to play this week. Uh, I wasn't sure if he was going to practice, but he did not practice at all. He wasn't even out there that I saw. Um, so clearly, it's a couple of week injury, and the question will be is whether almost 13 days later, next Sunday, whether he's able to run and put pressure on the toe and the spring. So we will have to see. Um, David Sharp, backup offensive tackle started a couple of games while Morgan Moses was hanging out over on the left side because Cornelius Lucas uh, got hurt. David Sharp is questionable to play this week. He was a DNP on Wednesday, a DNP on Thursday, and he was limited on Friday with a knee injury. That's obviously huge because, yes, you get Moses, yes, you have Cornelius Lucas back, but remember, you don't have Sadiq Charles, uh, you don't maybe have, uh, you know, this guy. So David Steinmetz is pretty much your only other choice if something happens. Um, other injuries, Morgan Moses, groin, he was limited uh, throughout the week after not practicing on Wednesday. He's questionable, he'll play. Brandon Sheriff was limited throughout the week did not practice on Wednesday, and, and again is, is questionable for Sunday against the San Francisco 49ers. 
Everyone else is questionable for the game, including Ryan Anderson, Terry McLaren, um, and we told you about the other guys. Uh, here's the bottom line. Washington comes into this one reasonably healthy, but, you know, it's it's a tricky situation because of the short week turnaround, how much you push guys. I'm glad they're not pushing Antonio Gibson. I'm glad they're not trying to force him, basically, to go out and play just because it's a big game and they think they need him. You know what? I mean, they do need him. I can't risk something else happening. You know, again, that's perfectly understandable. They will probably call up Javon Leak, running back, from the practice squad or promote him to the expanded active roster. We'll come back with Jack Del Rio next, right here on the Locked On Washington Football Team podcast. Good to have you with us. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, I'm Chris Russell. This is the Locked On Washington Football Team Podcast. Right out to the Inova Sports Performance Center. Actually, check that. Jack Del Rio's house. That's right. Um, I'm so used to saying the facility can't do these. So they go home. Uh, Rivera usually does his there, uh, but Jack was at his house. So let's hear from the defensive coordinator of the suddenly surging Washington football team defense. Uh, I was just kind of curious, what has been going on in the second half with the defense? I've noticed the last seven games in particular, the defense at most has given up 13 points, and that was against Detroit. What's like? What are the adjustments that you all are making in the second half of games where I think at this point there's been like three points given up to one team, three points, zero points. What are you guys doing in the second half to get the defense essentially pretty stout in the second half of games? Well, as I've, I've indicated um, previously, I, you know, we're adjusting throughout the game. So it's not, it's not the, uh, I'd like to tell you it's a great halftime speech, but it's really not about that. It's just a constantly adjusting throughout the game. Uh, I think settling in and just, playing better, a little more focused, a little more uh, understanding of how, you know, they're trying to attack us and just better execution. Let me rephrase it. Is there some way that possibly what we're seeing in the second half, I know that you're saying you're constantly adjusting. Is there some way to get that into the first half of games? Is, is there anything you're seeing on the film? Yeah, that, that's the idea to get, to get it uh, throughout. Yeah, that's the idea. So, um, you know, that's look, that's the goal. I mean, we, we go out and we compete and we play hard and we, you know, we're trying to be effective uh, from the first series to the last. So, yeah, so we're, we're working at it. Thank you, Jack. I appreciate you. Hey, Jack. It seems like early on in games, uh, opposing teams try to go after Ronald Darby. I was wondering how you think he kind of responds to that challenge and is there something that opponents are seeing on film that, that they keep trying? I think, I think they've got to try and move the ball somehow. Uh, so, you know, I think, I think, uh, Darby's played well for us this year and, uh, certainly glad we have him and, um, you know, we'll just, we'll just keep going. Hey Jack, I, I'm curious. I've noticed, um, Chase likes to rush from the stand-up position a lot. How much freedom do you give those ends to when they're, when they're in that spot 
to whether it rushed up or with a three-point stance? A little bit, a little bit of freedom. Uh, don't want to see it all the time. So, uh, you know, we, I, I communicate with them, but, the, you know, we want our guys, uh, you know, I talk to them all the time about, you know, we're, we're not in grade school where, you know, we're going to paint by numbers and we're going to have red uh, in number one and yellow in number two and, and green in number three. And we're going to stay inside the lines. I mean, you know, we, we want, we want them to, you know, to, to express themselves and, and, to, and, to, and to paint their own, you know, paint their picture, you know? And so, you know, we, we want, we encourage them to, to do things and, um, and be themselves and express themselves on the field and not be rigid. Uh, but certainly there are things we're looking for. And uh, if we go too far one way or the other, I let them know. And then um, one of the things that you talked about before the season was communication. And I'm curious how you felt like it has been this year for you with, with, the, with the secondary and the coverage and all that. Yeah, I think, I think it's improving. Um, it's, it's something we constantly strive for. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think we have made improvement and, and we'll continue to work at it. I mean, it's so, it's so important for everybody to understand their responsibility, you know, where they are and, and how their teammates can count on them to be where they're supposed to be so that we can play fast together. And so, you know, communication is at the, at the, you know, at the core of it. It's at the beginning of it. You know, it all starts with communicating the call so that you can then reflect on your assignment and what you've got to get done and, uh, so and and then be able to execute, but uh, yeah, clearly you know communication is something we work hard on. I think it's improved as the year's gone on, and and we'll we'll need to continue to work at it. We'll go Pete Haley next, and then Nikki. Because of injuries and performance, there's been a few different combinations. Safety. What stands out to you about the DeShazer? You were you were cutting up pretty good there. Um, I think you're asking me about different combinations in the secondary. And then, and then what stood out specifically at safety when it's Cam and DeShazer? I know there's been different pairings there, but what do you like about those? Yeah, well, I, what I like is, is the fact that, um, you know, they haven't blinked. They, they've, they've been given opportunities to go in and play, and they, and they played, and they played well for us. And you know, that's what you count on, you know, when you're in this next man up, you know, type of situation that, that, that comes about when you have some injuries. Things happen. And uh, – and so I feel good about the fact that they have uh, that they have done a nice job, uh, you know, playing well within within our, our system, making plays that are asked to be to, to, to be made. And um, you know, again, they're they're at the forefront of the communication part because you know it starts with the safety being able to communicate with the corners and, and the linebackers. So uh, they've done a nice job for us, you know. And uh, you know, obviously a young guy in Cam, he's. You know, he's, he's far exceeded expectations for a late round pick to come in and, and have as big a contribution as he has. Um, but, you know, the biggest thing and why he's been able to do play well and do good things is he just goes about doing his job, you know, and um, he's really matter of fact you know, about it. He's understands what his assignment is and he goes out there and competes. Hi, Jack. Um, with guys like Cam Curl and Cole Holcomb, who clearly don't mind hitting um, and you know, have an affinity for writing. How important is that when you're when you're looking at possible free agents and draft prospects? Is that you know high on the list to find guys who like to hit, and is it something you can teach? 
Well, we, we like to think that we can impact a guy, uh, a player's ability to, um, you know, work with fundamentals and, and within the things that we teach and stress. But guys either like to hit or they don't, you know. So we, we like to collect people that, uh, that run and hit. And, and certainly I think the two, uh, two young men that you identified are, are two guys that like to, like to go after it. Yeah, Jack, uh, Ron the other day when talking about the defense's improvement, particularly with the run defense, said that part of it was just development over the season, but also for some of the guys up front, teaching them some different habits or breaking them of habits that they may have picked up along the way. And I'm just curious, what are some of those habits that, that you've kind of noticed that you kind of worked with some guys and how has that coaching development aspect been uh, for you with these guys? Well, there are certain principles that we believe in that, uh, you know, I talked about on day one and I talk about it now. And, um, and, they, and it really won't change. There are things that we believe in, uh, in terms of defeating blocks and shedding blocks and showing up for your teammates in certain areas and, and how they can play fast off of that. I think uh, the biggest thing that we've had happen is that linebackers are beginning to trust what's happening in front of them and they can go faster to where they belong. Uh, the D linemen are trusting now that the linebackers are going to show up there. And then obviously the safety in, in, in the secondary is tied to it as well. Um, but when everybody starts playing with more confidence and, and starts, you know, I talk about building confidence and building trust. And, and so as we gain in those areas, we should continue to play, you know, better and better on defense. Now, obviously you have challenges every week, right? And they're different challenges. Like, you know, last week, Ben threw the ball 55 times. You know, um, I, don't, I don't see the 49ers being that kind of operation. They're going to come and, and try and pound you. And they, and they run the ball as well as anybody in the league. So, um, you know, obviously different challenges each week. I think for us, you know, working hard on your preparation and then going out and, and playing hard uh, for 60 minutes. Hey, Jack, uh, with a couple of these, you've had two weeks now where you've had some pretty good defensive performances on national TV, and now that's kind of gotten some notoriety for this defense and people are starting to talk it up. As a coach, do you like that? Are you excited that they're getting attention, you guys are getting that attention, or is that a distraction you'd really rather not have? Would you rather kind of be a little more under the radar? Does that matter? Well, you know, what matters is your performance on game day. So, you know, we're about the preparation, you know, for the next opportunity. You know, it's certainly good to hear good things. That means you're doing, you're doing some things well. Um, but, we, you know, we, we know that. Um, I think what we understand is the challenge in front of us this week uh, with the 49ers and the way they run the ball and the way they do things and, um, you know, some of their playmakers that they have. And just, you know, our, our thoughts right now are about gaining an understanding of what the challenges are in front of us, not worried so much about what people are saying about what happened in the past. So, um, yeah, we're kind, of, we're kind of pushing forward. But certainly, you know, who, who doesn't like to be praised? I mean, you like, you like to understand that. But uh, I understand. I've been in this league a long time, and uh, and I understand that it's about what you do next that's that's most important. It's not not looking in the rearview mirror. Thanks. Hey Jack, uh, Chase and Montez have talked this season about you know pushing each other and trying to make each other better. I wonder, like as a coach, how do you see that kind of manifest on the field? Is that a you know one guy stands up or one guy doesn't tries a new technique or I guess, like, how do you see them really push each other and see that kind of, you know, translate? Well, I think it starts with a healthy approach. Um, you know, when Chase Young arrived here, he was humble. Um, he was a hard worker. He was about business. He was about 
you know, learning from guys, guys like Ryan Kerrigan that have done it at a high level for a long time in this league. Uh, Montez, a younger player. But there's competition in that room. There's no question. And, and, and I think those guys kind of feed off each other. I think they challenge each other. I think, you know, they're supportive of each other. So I think it's a really healthy dynamic. And, um, you know, we work hard at the relationship part, um, you know, being respectful but competing and working our butts off. And I think those guys have done a nice job of that. Has there, has there been any moments either on the, you know, in games or in practices where you see something that one of them do and you go, oh, okay, that, you know, I know where that came from sort of deal? Well, I mean, there was a play today in practice, uh, which today was turnover Thursday, Friday edition. But um, <laughs> anyway, uh, there was a play today uh, where they were both involved in a turnover. And so, um, you know, it was on the same play. And one guy's effort contributed to another guy getting the turnover. And, uh, you know, and love to see more of that. All right, once again, that is defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio. Thanks to WashingtonFootball.com. Don't forget, guys, we'll be back with you Sunday night right after the Washington football team takes home the San Francisco 49ers. Will it be a Victory Monday episode or will it be a Misery Monday episode? We will see. That's coming up Sunday night late into Monday morning right here on the Locked On Washington football team podcast. Good to have you with us. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, I'm Chris Russell. We wrap it up right here with a little bit of Ron Rivera from Friday after practice and before the team heads off to Glendale, Arizona. Hey, Ron. Good afternoon. I noticed in the game against the Steelers, um, you guys had the most penalties that you have had so far this season, the nine, and I think it was like 67 yards or so. Yep. What do you tell the players to kind of get back to the way things had been? You, I think you guys were like six fewest penalties like this season so far. What do you tell the guys ahead of a road game like the one against the 49ers to get them kind of back to that mode of very few penalties in a game? Well, it's about discipline. Um, you know, we, we, I told the guys we were going to get into a physical game um, with Pittsburgh. A couple of the penalties we got were um, – we're unsportsmanlike conduct. And, and, you know, one of the things I told the guys, hey, look, these guys are these, these guys are tough guys. They're going to come at you. Just don't take it. And uh, a couple of guys took it to heart, and we got a couple of punishments. So those were on me, uh, to be honest with you. So, again, now it's about, you know, being disciplined, playing smart, and understanding, you know, that, that that's, you know, we took it past the line. And, and like I said, I, I got to make sure guys understand what I'm talking about. And then on the flip side of it, you guys didn't have a turnover for the first time since week one against the Eagles. So I, I guess, I don't know if there's some way that you get guys not to turn the ball over or just something that you could see that they can replicate against the Fortniters and throughout the rest of the season. But what do you guys tell them about, you know, keeping the ball safe essentially so that you can continue to stay in those kinds of games and, you know, obviously not have, um, I don't know, it's like the opposite of like the Cleveland Ross game where you have a lot of turnovers that ultimately like hurt you guys more or less. Without a doubt. I mean, that's, that's the, the thing that we talk about is protecting the football and trying to get the guys to understand how important it is to take it away. Um, you know, the, the, the takeaway differential um, that, that we had, you know, when I was, you know, when I was in Carolina, 
um, if we won the takeaway battle, we'd win 90% of the games. I mean, that, 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 that was a fact. And so to understand just how important, how vital it is to take the ball away from an opponent or how vital it is to protect the football, uh, I think has to be something we all have to understand uh, and we have to work at. We work at it uh, in practice. We work at it, uh, you know, trying to get it stripped and, and we work at it trying to protect it. That's something that we have to continue to do. Hey, Ron. Uh, Payne Barber is averaging, I think, 2.7 yards per carry. I know that a little bit is probably because of like short yardage situations, but yep. if he has a bigger role on Sunday, what's kind of your confidence in him and what do you see from him that, you know, it's not a smaller role. He can handle a bigger role now. Oh yeah, most certainly. I mean, believe me, he's a pro. I, I have, I have all the confidence in, in him getting an opportunity to have a bigger role. Um, he played a bigger role last week for us and did an excellent job. Dallas game, you know, he, he had some very physical runs. Um, and again, he, he had an opportunity to break one and, and instead he did a very unselfish thing and he slid at the end of the Dallas game. So again, he, you know, I don't get caught up in that. I get caught up in what I see as a football player. And I see a guy who's a, who's a veteran guy who understands, who knows it, who gets it, is going to do exactly what he needs to do to help us win football games. Yeah. Is there something about his running style that appeals to you or what yeah. kind of qualities does he have? Yeah. It's physical. It's a physical style. Um, you know, he's got great vision. He, he's, he's a, he's a stick his foot in the ground and get downhill type of guy. So I, I do appreciate that. Thanks. Hey, Rod. What is the difference for him when he goes from being that short yardage guy to now being first and second down and doing all that? How much can that change for him in terms of just his productivity? What things will could develop from that? Well, the biggest thing, John, is, is a guy like that who, who comes in a short yardage goaling situations. What he's looking for is, 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 is any opportunity to hit a crease. Uh, if that crease is closed, he's still going to hit it. Whereas, you know, in a normal situation where it's first and ten, you know, he may stutter step a little bit to, to buy a little bit of time for, for some, some spacing to create. Um, he may press something a little bit longer, or he may come at it a little bit sooner. So there, there is a different style uh, when you're coming in on third one as opposed to it being first and ten out in the middle of the field. And then um, on the other sideline, uh, Sunday will be Trent Williams. Obviously, you had a chance to briefly get to know him, and obviously things didn't work out. I'm just curious, when you look back on that, how you know on that situation? How you view it, and then how you view him as just as a player now? Oh, he's he's a heck of a football player. He really is. He, he's one of the better uh, left tackles in the league. Uh, and I know he's a little bit up there in age, but heck, he from what I've seen on tape, he's still a smart, physical guy. Um, and, and and to be honest, I think he said it fair at this point in his career. You know, he was looking for situations, circumstances that fit him better. Um, and I think he also felt this might be an opportunity to get away from the situation he had dealt with the year before. So. Um, you know, and he's done nothing but good things for them. And, and we want to wish him well just because he's had such a good career here for this organization. I, I get the sense from your comments earlier in the week that, that a big focus has been not letting the team get complacent or, or, you know, feel like they've achieved something with the Pittsburgh win. Do you feel like they've responded to, responded to that message? Well, I do. I believe they have. But, you know, the, and, 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 and I didn't say not achieve something. I just said we can't carry this over and forget that we got to play a very good 49er team. You know, I know they struggled early on, but that's the shoot. You look at the injuries they've suffered. You know, this is a team that's had to go through a lot, um, and and you see them playing better and better. So again, I just wanted to make sure we got our focus back after after the win that we had on Monday night. Hey, coach, um, with the statement coming out today that no fans will be in the stands uh, the rest of 2020, how disappointing is that for you and the players? I mean, I'm I'm sure you're not used to it yet. I know it's been a while since there have been and. Um, 
How big of a factor has that proved to you this season that fans are a big factor on game day? Oh, they are. Energy level, it's amazing. I mean, you know, and I was thinking about this. Can you imagine, you know, if we, if, if, if we would have been able to come home to a fan base after, you know, winning in Pittsburgh and playing at home, you know, what that could have been like, the pandemonium with, with, with the fan base energizing them and trying to, you know, get them back. And kind of showing them that you know, hey, we're playing hard. You know, we, we want to give them something to cheer for. That to me would have been really cool. And um, so that's the hard part is, is that we don't have that right now, and and, and we miss our fans. Um, you know, because again, we're trying to create something. We're trying to build something. We want to give them something to cheer about. Um, and right now, you know, the best we can do is is is, is play hard, and hopefully they that, you know they can appreciate it, and uh, they get a chance to see it on TV. All right, once again, that is a little bit of Ron Rivera. Don't forget, guys, NFL analyst Brian Peacock, who joined us on the crossover edition of Locked on 49ers, Locked on Washington football team earlier this week, and former NFL scout Matt Williamson host Locked on's Peacock and Williamson every Monday through Friday. Brian and Matt will give you the national perspective all around the NFL, covering all the latest news and insight on every game, team, and move around the NFL. Get your picks, previews, and much more every weekday with the Peacock and Williamson podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And away we go to the weekend. Thanks for being with us all week. Our thanks to all of our sponsors throughout the week, Pepsi, uh, Built Barn, Built Go, DoorDash, and you for listening and being with us and downloading the episodes. As always, keep listening, and hopefully the Washington football team will keep winning so that you guys stay interested. Right? That's the best way to go about things. All right, have a great rest of your weekend. I'm Chris Russell. Adios. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.